Some people think of discipleship as a way of living that is designated for special people on a special mission, like a master class for Christians. In actuality, discipleship is for everyone who is a believer and follower in Jesus. Even though that is true, there are stages and steps in that walk with the Lord. We plan to unpack what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in this episode of Groundwork. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And Daryl, we are uh, with this program beginning a new series of programs in which we want to talk about something we do talk about a lot, but do we really reflect on it and know what it means? And that is discipleship. What does it mean to be a disciple? Uh, how do we become a disciple? How do we grow as a disciple? So that's what we want to talk about in the uh, next few programs of this new series. You know what? I get so excited when someone walks up to me and says, do you know how to become a disciple? Do you know what it means to be a disciple? I remember in college when I started doing Bible studies, that was an exciting question that I had from my mentors. But now it's a question as a pastor that I receive quite often. How do we grow? What does it mean? How do we demystify it? You ever had that question that come to you, Scott? Sure, yeah. People who are really committed uh, Christians want to understand more. I mean, this is really uh, – and grow more and mature more. This is really – What's behind almost every Bible study every church has? People come together. Yeah, there's a social element to it. It's nice to see your friends right. at the midweek Bible study or get together in for morning and the breakfast time or something uh, at a restaurant or at the church. So there's a social dimension. But at the at the core of it is this desire to dig into what we do here on Groundwork, to dig into Scripture, to lay the foundation for our lives. People want to grow in their discipleship. There, there is. Um, you know, discipleship, Daryl, always begins. It begins this way in the Bible with Jesus saying, follow me. Exactly. And um, following Jesus means doing uh, now spiritually by the Holy Spirit what the disciples could physically do, and that was follow Jesus and watch him and learn and figure out how to imitate him. There was actually a saying in the Hebrew culture, may you get dusty. Because they would follow the rabbi so closely that they would literally get the dust of the shoes on them. Hmm. The point is to follow very closely. So when Jesus says, follow me, he's opening the invitation to have a relationship to grow. And when he teaches this on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, he says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you shall find. And knocking the door will be open. So when people want to be disciples, they're literally knocking on Jesus' door. And we get to help with that. Right. I like that dusty comment to stay close to Jesus, to, to follow him. And it wasn't easy for the uh, disciples. You know, they, they had some different ideas on, on who Jesus was supposed to be. And so sometimes instead of following, they tried to take the lead. And yeah. Jesus always had to kind of shoo them back behind him. But uh, I, I always like the, the German word, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's famous book, The Cost of Discipleship. Yes. Its German title is just one word, Nachfolge, which is the German word for discipleship. And Nachfolge literally means to follow after. Uh, yes. And that's how we learn. I think at this point, Scott, it might be important for us to get a working definition of a disciple. And, and when you think about it simply, it means that you're an intentional learner. You're learning in a direction. You're learning with intentionality. Now, I have an elliptical in my room and I have a weight bench in my garage. But if I don't put any intentionality behind it, I'm not going to get any more fit than I am now. So I actually have to get on that treadmill and then actually pick up the weights and get going. 
So it's something that is a discipline. That's something that I do regularly that actually benefits me inch by inch. And I think as a disciple who is learning to grow and follow Jesus, we need to be a person who intentionally has practices in our lives to help us to grow. That's a, a good analogy. And, and one, uh, you know, I think that the Apostle Paul often used uh, in the New Testament as well. But right, that idea of intentionality um, I speak from some experience here, I'm afraid to say, but just having a treadmill in the house doesn't make you more fit if it just sits there and gets if it, it gets dusty in the wrong way, um, <laughs> which mine did, I'm afraid to say, you got to want to do it, right? Uh, and that kind of training, Daryl, we read about in the New Testament. Definitely. So I got a verse here from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, and it reads like this, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Timothy is told by his mentor, Paul, that he needs to actually not just train for physical things, but to train for spiritual things. And so if he uses the same principles that he did for the physical training, he's not only going to get benefit for this life, but the life to come. Right. In fact, this is a sort of an interesting little vignette of the growth of discipleship. Timothy is now under the mentorship of the Apostle Paul. Paul's yes. probably getting older. The, the letters to Timothy and Titus, so the so-called pastoral epistles, uh, we think are the last letters Paul wrote. And uh, he was passing the torch to the next generation, Timothy right. and Titus. And they you know, were working in the Greek world, Timothy in Ephesus, uh, Titus on the island of Crete, where the Olympics and, and training oh, yes. and athletics. Athleticism, that was the top of the mark. If you were a great athlete today, you'd have your you know picture on the cover of People magazine and 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 you'd be on TV all the time. So now Paul makes the the, the transfer. If you put that much work into your spiritual life, you're going to be really healthy in ways that last because eventually even the best athlete in the world gets older and dies. Can be father time. Uh, but, but not so if it's spiritual. That's true. That's true. In just a minute, we're going to talk about different aspects of discipleship. And we pray that it will help you discern where you are in your walk with Christ. Stay tuned. What does it mean to be a Christian and a fan of movies, music, television, and video games? I'm Josh Larson, editor of thinkchristian.net and host of the Think Christian podcast. I invite you to join us for faith-filled reflections on pop culture. Visit us at thinkchristian.net or search for the Think Christian podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ, even in the playful moments of our lives. What does it look like to honor and serve God in your marriage and family? Visit familyfire.com to discover how you can better live out your faith in the context of your relationships. At FamilyFire.com, you'll find articles and devotions curated to encourage you to stoke the Holy Spirit's flame in your home. You'll also find an online community that can help you explore what it means to follow the Holy Spirit's lead in your family as a spouse, parent, or even an in-law. Join the community and be encouraged at FamilyFire.com. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. This is the first program in a series of programs on discipleship, what it is, and we kind of defined it. And we want to talk about the stages. Uh, and in this particular program, being the first program in the series, uh, we're going to talk about the early stages of discipleship. And the idea is that we're supposed to um, 
mature. And we're going to talk more about that in the, the second program of the series. But at this point, we're talking about some early stages of all that. Yeah. So you alluded to the second episode, which will happen to be about meat, but this one's about milk. And right. the apostle Peter writes about that in his book in First Peter chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. He writes, like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. The Apostle Peter is making the connection of babies craving milk and our spirits craving spiritual milk. Now, what is spiritual milk? Have you ever had anyone ask you this question, Scott? Yeah, and it's a metaphor, uh, an image that Peter is using here, obviously. And and Peter, you know, you wonder about Peter, such an interesting character. So he, he was writing, uh, the, we think that both of the letters we have in the New Testament from Peter were written to sort of the scattered uh, Jewish yes. Christians, Jews who had become Christians, which was sort of the field Peter worked, whereas Paul worked more with the Gentiles and so forth. But anyway, Peter himself surely probably knows a little something about this because there was a time when he was was following Jesus physically before Jesus died, rose right. again, and, and ascended to heaven, there was a time when Peter thought he was ready for meat uh, a whole lot earlier than he actually was. He, he tried to correct Jesus' theology now and then and got <laughs> scolded for it. And I think later now that, he's, he, now that he has become more mature as now an apostle, I think he's saying – yeah, back then I, I could have, I should have stuck to the milk because I was, I was getting ahead of myself. So, but yes, I have had people ask me that question. How do you answer it? Well, the what, the way I answer it, I mean, this whole topic could be its own series. Right. What is spiritual milk? How do we use it? But I, to break it all the way down, it, it is the regular practices that you have in your life that help you to grow in your walk with Jesus. So, for some, weekly worship. For for me, it has been scripture memorization. For others, it could be studying the word. It could be writing music. It could be journaling. There are a variety of different ways for this. And many people have been nourished in a variety of ways as far as discipleship goes. There are practices that we have. When we literally as parents have babies, you know, we, we uh, adapt what we offer them according to the stage of life where we know they're at. Literally, that is milk for, for the first part of a child's life. That's all they can take in and, and drink. And spiritually, I think, you know, for people who are just starting out, for anybody who is a fairly new Christian, you know, milk, I think, are just a lot of those, a lot of those basic teachings. You just kind of kind of have to try to figure out. Maybe you've heard different things about Jesus your whole life, but who was he really? You know, when, when people sometimes say, you know, I don't know anything about about it. So I'll say, well, you know, go to the Gospel of Mark. Yeah. Because Mark, in many ways, is a gospel of some milk. Now, there's lots of substance to it, too. But, right, Mark is uh, gets a lot in in a hurry. He's yes. always in a rush. Action-packed gospel. Yeah, yeah. He's very shows Jesus in action a lot. And so if you studied Mark, you're going to start to figure out, you know, some of the basics of, of what is a disciple, uh, who is Jesus, and so forth and so on. And then maybe you move on to the Gospel of John, which is yeah. a little deeper and yet also has some very, you know, basic teachings and so forth. Those are the kinds of things that, you know, I, I think about or, or you know, just, just being able to figure out, you know, if you're in a church that recites the Apostles' Creed. The milk of the gospel would just being able to understand what each line of that creed means, right? And you find a way to do that through a study group or, or, or whatever you can do. Definitely. And as a father, I have a daughter who is very young, and she would love for me to get the Jesus Storybook Bible off the shelf, mm -hmm. read a couple of stories out of that, and then lead her through a prayer. So that is spiritual milk for her 
to be able to read the Jesus Storybook Bible and to learn more about what Jesus' life meant and then to be able to lead her in a simple prayer is a way for spiritual milk to begin nourishing her heart. So now she knows that, number one, God is listening. Number two, that I can speak and I can communicate with God through prayer. And that is something that she can wash, rinse, and repeat when she gets older. Of course, it'll get deeper when you learn new things. But that is the thing that was really nourishing for her. Yeah, and that's a great example. I mean, just teaching a child the basics of what is prayer. Um, well, you can talk to God. You can talk to Jesus, just like you can talk to to me, your dad, uh, right. or your mom, or whoever. Uh, you know, that's just a very basic thing. And sometimes those of us who have been believers for a while forget that people who are just starting out in discipleship, they don't really even know how to pray. Yes. Uh, even the disciples said, "Lord, teach us to pray." Right? And 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 so so that that is very important. But you you mentioned something in passing. Uh, um, just a little while ago, Daryl, that scripture memorization early in your discipleship walk was important. Tell us about that and, and, and what that meant and how you did that so that maybe uh, we all can learn a little bit about that. Thanks for asking, Scott. I know for me, I asked Jesus a really uh, awkward prayer that made a lot of sense to me then. I asked him to make me a concordance, which is where you look and it's kind of an index for scripture. If you look up the word love, then it has 70 different uh, scripture references right. for the word yeah. love. I asked the Lord to make me the concordance so that I would need to use one. So then I began to take passages and wrote memory over and over, write them out and recite them all throughout the day. If I'm waiting in the elevator, I'll just under my breath, meditate on and recite mm. them. And then I had a necklace that I made with uh, scriptures on it. And I would refer to the necklace, necklaces, stop at a stoplight. It's kind of crazy how it just became part of me. And now it's interesting because Jesus' word is true in John 16. He says, the Holy Spirit will bring back to your remembrance the things that I have taught you. So now in the most strangest times or the most discouraging times, or the, I, there's a word, there's a scripture that comes back to my heart and my mind. It's, oh yeah, Jesus did talk about this. Jesus did say something about this. I think I remember it somewhere. So scripture memorization is one of the spiritual nourishment practices that have mm. really helped me. And I would offer anyone to try it. You know, it reminds me of Psalm 1, you know, that blessed is oh, the yes. one who is well-rooted, right? Who doesn't run around like the evil, but you're well-rooted and you meditate on God's word day, day and, and night, night, right? That image of just marinating yourself in the word, uh, getting all those basics down. This is the milk of the gospel. What does it mean to love? What does it mean to pray? What does it mean to know that Jesus is, is Savior? Those are just all those things that uh, we all need just to start out and make part of us. You know, there are different images in the Bible. God often will come to the prophets and will hand them a scroll and say, eat this. Eat this. You know, it's like, eat, eat this word, ingest it, make it part of you. And early on, as we've been saying, that's milk that we ingest, but you never get to uh, eat a hamburger if you don't do a good job on the milk first. That's true. That's true. Well, we want to talk a little bit more about all this practically in our lives as believers. And so as we wrap up this first program in a series on discipleship, we'll do exactly that. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? 
Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. I'm Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and you're listening to Groundwork. Daryl, we are talking in this first program about early stages of discipleship. It's a series on discipleship, spiritual milk. We just talked a little bit about what that was. You talked about scripture memorization or even teaching your young daughter how to pray and just what prayer is. These are the kinds of things, uh, you know, that's the craving of spiritual milk that the Apostle Peter uh, talked about in a passage we read uh, in the previous segment. But uh, Daryl, as we close out the program, we want to talk a little bit practically about all of this, but also I think we want to recognize something that is really, really important. And that is this growth of discipleship is not a lone ranger activity or a solo activity. Yeah, so am I. It happens in the body of believers, right? That's true. That's true. If it were up to me and I'd had to do it all on my own, I think I'd be in a lot of trouble. But the fact that I have my pastor, the fact that I have my father, that my mother, the fact that I have close friends. So I have different levels of people who are able to plant and water seeds in me. People that I look up to, people that I look eye to eye with, and then people that I share with. And I think that we need those three different levels to help nourish us and also to help us encourage one another. One of the favorite images in the New Testament for the church is a body. Uh, and uh, we had earlier in this uh, program, and, we're, and this will come up in future programs too, you know, that Christ is the head of the body and we grow from the head down, as it were, right? And so that idea that we're, we're a body, uh, that we help each other, that's what it's all about. Uh, and we had earlier a, a passage from Timothy, Paul's letter to Timothy, and his second letter to Timothy. Paul writes, you then, my son— Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So two short verses there, Daryl, but what you're seeing there is Paul trying to suggest we need some good holy momentum to keep this thing going. I believe that. And also uh, thinking about the Olympics and how when you're running in a relay, you receive a baton. But then you don't keep the baton. You pass the baton. Now, I know you can't pass your faith from one generation to another, but you can pass the faithfulness of God and the stories of your life and how he shaped you spiritually. So I see Paul giving Timothy the charge to pass the baton. Don't don't let it just stop with you. But you need to share what you have learned with people that you care about. And the practical part of that is that we have to start where we are. We cannot be where we think we should be, where others think we should be, or where we hope to be. And the good news about the God that we serve is that he wants us to start right where we are to grow. Right. And it takes some courage to do this, but it's not, this isn't the only place where Paul does this. But he does say, uh, he says it in Philippians as well, you know, you know, whatever you've heard me say, whatever you know I'm enthused about, whatever you've heard me preach— Put it into practice. Yeah, and then you preach it again. Uh, And then he says, and then give it to people who are reliable people who will then teach others, and then they'll teach others. And, you know, it's sort of like it just keeps going. It's like a stone rolling downhill, building up momentum and speed. We need to keep doing this because, indeed, as we said, we do this together. And we could be reminded, too, uh, Daryl, of something Peter has to say in terms of our being a spiritual house. 
Definitely. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says this, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I mean, the idea is that we are a spiritual house. I know it's a short amount of verses, but the point is we are growing and we are to be developed not only internally, but we also use the gifts that we have learned, the things that nourish us to help build others, which is what this verse in First Thessalonians gets into. Chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as you are in fact doing. So not only are we a spiritual house, Scott, but we are called to build one another up. I love the name Barnabas because it means son of encouragement. Right, yeah. He did this when they were in a church in Acts in, in Antioch. He built others up with what he said, with what he did. And if we have been nourished by anything that God has taught us, it is our responsibility to build others up and to pass it on. And it's interesting that verse, uh, Daryl, you just read from First Thessalonians 5. We think First Thessalonians is the oldest letter Paul wrote that we have possession of. He might have written others before this, but we don't have it. So this is one of the first letters he ever wrote to anybody. And that idea of building each other up is right there already, already at the beginning of the church. Um, there's that idea. And this is why we, we need mentors. You know, I think years ago, uh, like when my father-in-law went to seminary, he graduated in the 50s. Nobody really thought about that, you know, that, that you'd need a mentor. But now uh, at seminary, at my seminary, but at most seminaries, we give students mentors day one, right? Right away, Assigned, you, you right get a away. vocational mentor because you need somebody to pass along what he or she knows to build you up so that you later can then build up somebody else. And That's then true. they build up and so forth. We said earlier, the body of Christ is a common image, but the building, the household of faith, being living stones, that's what we are. And Christ wants to, you know, move into that house and, you know, redecorate it kind of, as it were, and and, and keep us uh, building up more and more into his likeness. And it's interesting how different members of the body become different aspects of God's tools to build that house. You got spiritual builders, you got spiritual contractors, you got spiritual persons who make plans, blueprints, and the Holy Spirit is ushering in that whole process. One of my favorite shows was Extreme Home Makeover Edition, where they would literally take the house that was dilapidated and turn it into this masterpiece. And they would say, move that bus, and everybody would see, and their emotions would come because they see how their house has been renovated and changed. And so I tied that with a the book that actually was really helpful for me in the early in my faith called My Heart, Christ's Home by mm-hmm. Robert Munger. And that book showed me that Christ wants to be a part of the bedroom, the bathroom of my life, the basement, the closets, the things I don't want to talk about. And, and ultimately, if I surrender my life to Christ, I give him the deed of that house yeah. so that he could literally own it and be in charge of it and make sure that it gets the proper value that he says it could have. We talk about C.S. Lewis a lot here on Groundwork, and one thing we've mentioned before is a line that C.S. Lewis had. He said, you know, when we first become Christians, we sort of think of ourselves as a house, and we think, well, Christ will move in. He'll slap on some fresh paint, maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe put down a new rug. And Lewis says, that's not what Christ does at all. He comes in, and he starts knocking down the walls, tearing up the floor. Demo. He's, he's going to build a whole new house. And as we've been saying, uh, Daryl, in this segment, he does that through others. Christ does that work in our lives, and that's why we need mentors and sisters and brothers 
brothers in the church, and we need to listen to them. When they make suggestions to us, we need to take it seriously. Uh, we start with the milk of the gospel, but as we'll say in the next program, we're going to move on to the meat, and we have other people in the church to help us do that. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We hope you'll join us again next time as we talk about uh, the book of Hebrews and the idea of moving beyond the elementary teachings of the world into the next level of discipleship. We want to dig into that and show what it means to move from spiritual milk to spiritual meat. Be sure not to miss the next episode of Groundwork. Connect with us at our website, groundworkonline.com, to share what Groundwork means to you and what you'd like to hear discussed on future programs. Visit ReframeMinistries.org for more information and to find more resources to encourage your faith. We're your hosts, Daryl Delaney and Scott Jose. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacob. 